in the Christian bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by, well, no one, because we're still small. But someday, hopefully, by companies like Apple and Amazon. Episode 3, Episode 3, say it with me, it's Episode 3. Are you as excited as I am? I am super geek today. Number one, that you're listening to the third podcast. That excites me to no end. You're sticking around. You're actually listening to number three. That's awesome. And I'm also super geeked because today we have a special treat. We have our very first interview on the Cultured Christian Podcast. My hope, my vision is about every third podcast Every third episode, we are going to have an interview, and I'm going to bring in people from all walks of life, all different topics, all sorts of things that relate to our podcast, our world, and so today's guest is the best that we could start with for a myriad of reasons. All right, I have my buddy Jay on the line. Welcome to the first interview of the Cultured Christian Podcast. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing good, and I'm excited. That's good. I am super excited as well, as I said in the intro there. Um, so yeah, for those of you who don't know Jay, we got to give you a little background, because otherwise this is just some rando person on the other line here. <laughs> Um, but he is definitely not random to me. Um, I met Jay back, I think it was 2004. Didn't we come within months of each other to Sunset? Yeah, but I was first, man. You were I was first? first? Okay. I think yeah, so, because I, I think I remember when you first came into staff meetings and I was like, yes. Yeah. Who's A young guy. Sexy, sexy guy <laughs> from Michigan, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> So it was around 2004 that we uh, both started working at Sunset. I was the middle school pastor there as my first uh, youth pastor full-time gig, getting paid full-time. And was that your first worship position? Yes, it was. Because you were in a traveling like Christian band before that, right? Yeah, so Sunset um, hired me as a, as a full-time worship pastor when I turned 30. It was my first nice. first time working in a church for sure. Yeah. So when you say younger, that's true. Cause I was all of 24 uh, when I started. So you're a little bit older than me, a little bit wiser as we'll see in this, <laughs> this podcast. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know about you, Jay, but I look back at our time at sunset. It was one of those seasons where, you know, I was kind of frustrated at times when I worked there, but now I look back on it with a lot of fond memories um, and, and in a lot of ways, wish I could go back to that season. And I think, you know, a lot of that was, you know, the connection you and I had, you know, there was definitely some relationships amongst staff that we were, you know, able to have some fun and do some solid ministry there as well. Is that kind of how you look back on your sunset years? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I, <clears throat> I'm very, very grateful for my time to church. I, as with anything, when you get involved, you know, more than when you're on the other side, it's like taking a bite out of the apple and you, and you learn things not only about church, maybe you didn't want to know, but you learn things about yourself. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you yes. didn't want to know. Um, but I certainly was grateful. Uh, humor's a big 
big part of my life. And when I realized I had a kindred spirit on staff uh, to play some jokes now and then and, and mix it up that way, um, I was very grateful. Yes. And we didn't start out great. I was kind of thinking, I remember our first year or so, I was kind of a, a jerk, you know, and some of the, the critique I gave you, right, with the worship stuff, I was a little uh, um, free to criticize some of the songs and different things. I just remember early on you sharing, you know, that at times I discouraged you and and then we kind of evolved into friends and then accountability partners. And, you know, I would say that that period of time, you know, considered you a brother, you know, like we moved into a different level of connection once we started doing the accountability stuff. Absolutely. I, I don't think I would have been nearly as um, pissed off at you if it hadn't been, you know, a lot of the songs that my mom had written specifically for the church um, that you had <laughs> issues with. <laughs> oh my gosh. That... Yeah, and those of you who've been at Sunset, you know that that in and of itself is another podcast. The the journey that Jay went on as the worship director. And those of you who don't work at church, you have to appreciate that two people in the church get the most criticism, the pastor and the worship guy. So Jay definitely had a, a full cup of uh of critique. But let's um let's focus on the good times. What what are some of the like things that stand out, like I'll just, from our relationship at Sunset, one, one thing that I love about Jay is he is super funny, as you're kind of seeing a little bit of it come out here in the podcast, but he is definitely the prankster, uh, the guy who is always pranking people, I mean, sending emails on behalf of people, uh, random things getting taken from offices and moved around, um, he's the guy who's calling and, and leaving voicemails, funny voicemails, pretending to be other staff people at the church. Um, my favorite was the one you did where you had, there was a season where you had the T-Pain app, right? Like T-Pain was the audio, <laughs> what was that called? Audio sync or something? The auto tune, that's what it is. That was like a big thing in that season. And so you recorded like multiple songs for me, about me, about the youth ministry and <laughs> Gosh, those are some of the most awesome nights. Just driving home, like just tired after a long day of ministry and listening to a funny T-Pain custom-built song for me was just amazing. Do you have any good memories like that? Well, I forgot about the T-Pain thing until you just said that, and I'm <laughs> so happy to remember that because um, that was definitely – I used that with a lot of – I kind of used that with a lot of the staff members to break some walls down and, yeah. uh, and further is the relationship. still around? Is, is that guy still alive and around somewhere? I have no idea. I think he might have joined up with Millie Vanilli. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> His app is still on my phone. I know that nice. much. Well, um, we got to do some more of that. Yeah, I mean, I can't even remember the exact context, but I remember one of my most cherished prank memories is when you and I teamed up to do something in Ron's office. We either took some, oh no, it was like, wasn't it the cherished picture in the, um, there was some kind of crazy churchy looking pic that was like a big deal because somebody that yes. a lot of money donated it. And it was in like, yeah. it was in, in our staff fire, room or something. The fireside room or something. It was somebody donated. Wasn't it like a personal photo of like his family or him and his wife? Like a Something drawing, like it's kind of yeah. coming back, and you hit it, you 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 well, stole it. it, you thieved it. Well, I'm and not taking felt, responsibility. <laughs> and it just felt dirty and and right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was yeah. good. 
Yep. And if Ron was listening to this, I, I apologize, Ron. A lot of times you, you were the butt of the joke and you were just not in on it. So, um, so yeah, so we, we had some good times. We'll kind of sum that up and just saying those of you who weren't there, it was a great season and definitely enjoyed uh, getting to know Jay. And, and on a serious note, I mean, one of the things I love about you, Jay, one of the things you guys got to know that I love about him is we share a common value of authenticity like uh jay is one of the most authentic genuine people i know it's like you can't get bullshit to come out of jay like he's just real and it is one of the main reasons why when i started a list of people that i wanted to interview on this podcast jay was right there at the top because i'm like this guy fits our values he's somebody that i think people need to get to know uh through the podcast if they don't know him in person and so uh, that's definitely a big reason why you're here. The other thing is he's just a great dad. I mean, I, you know, a lot of you know me and you know that I'd love to be a dad. When I look at Jay and how he is with his wife, Allie, and his two daughters, um, I just think, man, that's the kind of model father. Like, that's the kind of guy that I would want to be, be like if I was a dad. Um, so that's definitely something that I've admired over the years as well and what's it like having a teenager now you have a teenage daughter like Dude. is is that another podcast <laughs> another episode it is, <laughs> it is it it is um oh my gosh yeah it, one of my favorite things about there's a lot of things i don't like about social media but uh one of my favorite things about facebook and the fact that i've been on it for a while literally one of the first things i do each morning is i go straight to the memories um, and I'll look back, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago and just reminisce about before teenager. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, because it was just, you know, I love every, every um, season I've had with Macy, but we, we had us, we definitely in her uh, preteen and, and toddler and, and in between had just a undeniable special bond uh, that I'm, I just cherish. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, not having been a parent, but having been a youth pastor, you know, I watch parents literally go through that transition of like this little, little girl at your side in every picture. And then suddenly she's a teenager and she wants to spend less time with you. And there's a boy around and there's schoolwork and, you know, sports or whatever. So it is really cool to see that she uh, seem, still seems interested in you for a teenager, which is really cool. She does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Honestly, whenever I hear, like when you were saying about being a dad, the thought bubble in my mind was, you know, uh, love, love covers a multitude of sins. And mm. my, my desire for whatever, two, three years, maybe even less that she's here. I just, with all the ways that I'm still going to screw it up, um, I want her, no doubt in her mind of when she leaves this place of my love for her. So that's kind of, that's kind of the foundation. Yeah. And it seems so basic when you just say it here, but living it out is obviously harder, you know, cause, and that's a good segue, you know, so you, you formerly were a worship pastor. You went on to uh, another church after sunset, but now you're, you're not actually in ministry. So you, you stepped out. And, and when I heard you, when I first heard you did that, I have to be honest, I was a little frustrated because I always, whenever there's good ones in quotes here, good ones on church staff, I'm always frustrated when they 
step out of, you know, full-time career, whatever you want to call it, ministry. And so tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. What are, what are you doing that brings in some income and gives you the benefits? Well, first of all, you just opened up a whole nother podcast uh, when you said you're no longer in ministry. <laughs> well, I did well, clarify the <laughs> vocational, the money making yes. part of it. I get yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so I'm a, I'm a full-time health coach now. And honestly, I was scared to death um, from a ministry aspect, right? Because before worship leading, I was actually still in churches two to three times a week in a traveling um uh, ministry singing ministry yeah. so really for the better part of pushing 25 years now uh all i all i knew kind of was the church world yeah when it came to my job and and in any given day so when this so you were done with it you were like i'm out of this thing <laughs> no no uh that's there's a you know there's a lot of history there um, yeah but i think and, and I'm so careful not to sound cliche with what I'm about to say, but even though it's the truth, uh, there was definitely a time a few years back where I felt released because I really, I, I believe that working in a church in the right way is, is absolutely a calling. Yeah. Um, and so I felt released from that calling, not released to have an impact in, in people's lives and point that to my creator, but For sure. it certainly looks a lot, lot different now as a health coach. But one of, one of my prayers as I was praying about and considering and getting advice about moving to a full-time health coach was, and a lot of kind of private conversations with God was, can I still have a positive impact in people's lives? And will you please show that to me before I fully pull the trigger on this? And I'm telling you, Kurt, in a, in a space of a couple of weeks, I was on the phone with clients and or potential clients where I was looking, you know, they couldn't see me, but I was looking up at the ceiling, shaking my head because of where they took the conversation. Mm. It had nothing to do with their health, mm. uh, but everything to do with what they were wrestling with, with their identity, with, with faith, with religion, with pain. And uh, all, really, honestly, some of the most, some of the biggest opportunity to actually minister to people than I had ever had. So that was, wow. that was a huge answer to prayer. And didn't, didn't you meet like Tom Cruise? Isn't he like one of your mentors and he got you into this whole <laughs> health coach thing? I don't even know where to go with that, but my, <laughs> my sister-in-law, Kim, who's a really good friend of mine has like a, a deep tangible hate for him. So I think it's now I have to make sure she listens to this. Yeah, I just just remember I'm over I'm back over here in the Midwest, and so when people hear health coach, uh, they might be thinking of some California, you know, thing like Scientology. But no, it's definitely on the up and up. And you shared with you know in a private conversation, I think you shared that very thing um, that you feel like in a lot of ways you're doing more ministry now as a health coach than you were in vocational ministry. And I've heard that from other guys who've gone into various fields. So I don't think that's um, necessarily unique. And um, I'm definitely happy for you that you found something that's, you know, paying the bills, but you're also very fulfilled and you're helping people. You're literally, you know, how, how, how many clients do you know the number? Like how many have you worked with since starting? Well, I've been coaching for about three years and um, I've, you know, um, just one-on-one -on -one, me to them, probably 
in that space of time, you know, around 300, but now I'm, wow. I'm training up a lot of coaches. So the impact is, is a, a lot, much bigger than that, which you is got to cool. use the big tag word, the exponential effect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. So, um, so moving on to kind of the, the darker shades and kind of where we want to go today, obviously your life uh, a few years back took, a, um, I don't know, I think the right term might be a negative turn. Uh, you got some bad news when it came to your health. Um, and so why don't you just kind of share, you know, a thumbnail sketch for somebody that's listening that has, again, zero no idea who this Jay guy is up until listening the past few minutes. Um, what, what changed about your health? What, what came in and kind of give us a little from beginning to where we're at now, as much as you can, just like an overview of your journey. Yeah. So that journey actually started while I was on staff at sunset. I was 2013. I had recently lost like almost 50 pounds mm. and then had started doing some like beach body p90x insanity stuff just really had kind of a whole new lease on life when it came to just my fitness level and started having some stuff i remember the first time i felt something it felt it felt like this tiny little electronic like a little electric pulse down um, by my right uh, rib or a little lower, like lower back. Um, and I remember, at, so I had just come out of a season where for years I had drank a ton of Diet Coke. And when I say ton, I mean like mm, seven, eight a day. Um, wow. And so we, you know, we did the whole Wikipedia or, or online, you know, diagnose ourselves and I would, was pretty convinced that um, what was happening was kidney stones. Well, it developed and developed and developed uh, like a slow boiling, uh, slow boiling kettle, whatever the yeah. phrase is, until a point where one day I was at sunset, I was about to do an interview, a video interview of somebody and it, it, it hit and I couldn't stand back up. And I ended up going to the docs that day. I was gonna go to the ER and then I was like, no, I'm gonna go to my family doctor long story short i had a football sized tumor um cancer tumor growing uh and i that kind of started a journey then of many surgeries many more tumors um, all what, kinds of different oh go ahead let me, yeah let me break in here what year so give us a timeline so you said you were still at sunset this is after i left sunset so what year are we at here where you're first going in and getting that diagnosis Two, 2013. Okay. So that initial uh, journey lasted about three and a half years of different treatments and surgeries and recoveries. Then I had a little reprieve. And even that's kind of controversial because um, I might have had some misdiagnosis and some missed uh, hmm. CT like they scan kinda... readings. So they kind of gave you the clear when you may not have been the, in the clear. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. And okay. I would never throw an organization um, and just flat out say Kaiser because I just don't. <laughs> Anyways, wow. so I digress. <laughs> um, so, so now, I mean, even today, right, when you and I were chatting. Um, so today the, the journey continues. I 
I'm three or four days out from the most recent uh, treatment. I'm kind of past a lot of different options and kind of past the surgery option, et cetera. So just recently had one of my two big tumors cryo-ablated, which, uh, which they go in and freeze it. And um, even, even this morning was in need of my wife's pep talks to kind of uh, get over the the pain aspect that I've had the last three or four days from that procedure. So the journey continues and um, I've already, you know, far outlived the original prognosis. So I was joking with my wife the other day, um, dying has become a way of life <laughs> because okay. um, yeah, it's just, uh, I'm a veteran and something that I, I don't want to be. So. Yeah. Now this again, just kind of uh going to start funneling into more of a, a concentrated focus, but how has your life changed? And then specifically, how has your relationship with God changed since 2013? So you've gone down the road. Many of us listening to this um, fear the fear in a great, to a great degree, um, the hand you were dealt, the, the bad diagnosis, the um, all this stuff that you've had to deal with. So share with us, how, how has your life changed since before the diagnosis and how has your relationship with, with God changed? Man, that is so hard to quantify uh, because it's massive, yeah. <laughs> obviously, but I'll say a few things that come to mind. So pre-cancer, I was your typical invincible um, my my mindset my subconscious was i'm invincible if um anything i want to get done i can i can get it done and i don't need help and yeah yeah community but if, if the rubber meets the road all i need is me and my willpower um yeah so that drastically changed uh, when when now i'm you know facing all the unknown the the possibly the loss of a career, the loss of mobility, the loss of, you know, on and on and on and on. Mm. Um, one of the first things I remember, though, in 2013, when this all went down, is I remember the clarity of many things that I, quote unquote, had learned about God, now suddenly feeling like connection between his voice and my ears and heart jumped far off a page in a bible or a sermon on a sunday and turned into real life right now this god is meeting me comforting me speaking to me telling me he's not going to leave me telling me that the, the ride's going to get far worse than I even know, but he's there. Hmm. And so there was a, in the midst of the shit, <laughs> yeah. um, there was a clarity and intimacy that I, I would never have experienced most likely um, because that's kind of what he does. He, he brings beauty from ashes, uh, another mm -hmm. Christianese phrase that I, that right. I believe in. Yeah, well, now now it's not Christianese. It's it's real. It's tangible. You've lived it, right? I think of uh, what is it? Psalm thirty four. He's close to the brokenhearted, and I just think that 
you know, a lot of people would think, or, you know, people who are outside of faith might think this is the thing that would push me away from God or make God seem, you know, like he's on Jupiter or something, but you're actually saying quite the opposite that God, your relationship with God became more intimate because of your uh, diagnosis. Is that what you're saying? I am. I am. And, uh, you know, outside of, you didn't ask, but outside of that, the way God used and redeemed that time to bring my wife and I closer than we ever had. You know, you learn a lot about somebody. You learn a lot about vow, you know, wedding vows right. <laughs> and sickness and in health. You learn a lot when the rubber meets the road. And yeah. when I look back since 2013 to now, I mean, if, if there was some sort of process where I could elect my wife as a St. Alley, um, yeah. I would because we, we wouldn't even, this, we wouldn't be having this podcast um, yeah. if, if she didn't exist and, and hadn't been taken care of me in unbelievable ways over the last yeah. years. No, you speak into something, man. That That's true. It's like, there's so many people who, when you have a disease like cancer or any sort of chronic disease, you tend to focus on the patient, you know, the person. But to your point, there's often a spouse or a parent or someone who's, you know, a hero, an unsung hero who's doing all the work with the insurance, who's dealing with phone calls, who's, you know, encouraging you when no one's online and no one's available. It's, it's the spouse. And so, yeah, she, Allie's definitely a rock star. I've said that many times. Um, and so, right yeah. along with it, in some ways she's had to go through far more than me. I mean, when the times where I've been laid out either, it, you know, in the actual surgery or in the recovery process for the next two months, who's, who's there running the house, mm. taking care of the girl's schedules, caring for me, balancing right. her own emotions. She lost her mom to a 13 year battle with, with cancer. I mean, I, I, I truly believe in some ways this is a far harder journey for her than me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so then this kind of leads into this next question, which for me, you know, you know, my journey, a lot of people don't yet know, but I, you know, I have a chronic disease called Crohn's disease. And when I was diagnosed in 05, you know, it's, it's not a life threatening disease necessarily. It can be, you know, it can have, um, you know, those kind of things, but generally um, Crohn's is just, um, you know, still very annoying and expensive uh, disease. Um, but how, how often do you wrestle with what I call the why question? Um, for me and for, I think, a lot of people with um, chronic diseases, life-threatening, you know, situations, we rush to, there's kind of seems to be a built-in like magnet that, at least for me, pulls towards the why me or why God, or, you know, you just, you just scream out for some level of clarity that you just, why is this happening to me? I don't know what the question looks like for you, but do you, how often do you wrestle with that? How often do you wrestle with a why question? So I, I'm going to carefully tentatively answer that with the most truthful way that I can Kurt yeah uh, because I I hate I don't want to come across with some sort of false humility or yeah. but for whatever reason okay on that day when I was at Portland Adventist 
and I stood out in the hallway and had some guy with his face turning white trying to explain what he just saw on the imaging. And his voice trailed off as the reality kind of set in. I came up against that question, but that question was slightly tweaked. Um, and I remember to this day, and that question was, why not me? Mm -hmm. So for, and I don't, you know, maybe, maybe it was a combination of my upbringing and, and things my dad had taught me that, or, or I don't know, but I, I just remember at the beginning of this journey, having a very defining moment of not going down the why me road and, and fully embracing the brokenness of me, the planet, the universe, and God's ultimate plan. And, yeah. and for me, just to, to think that I had done something where I deserved a different outcome than literally millions of people that have faced horrific, rare, <laughs> you know, everything from Crohn's to, you know, we could, we could talk for hours. For me to think that I had somehow deserve to escape that um, just wasn't part of, hasn't not been part of my story. Hmm. Okay. So would you say, would you go so far to say that you've had a general acceptance of it? Is that, is that going too far to say you, you've accepted it? Because to me, the opposite of accept, uh, of accepting it is like, you know, wrestling with why me is that, is that too far to say that you've generally accepted it as part of your life? Yeah, but that's a dicey word because yeah. obviously if there's any possible way I could not have this, I, I, I do it. Um, I think a, a, a bigger question that is legit run in the background of my mind through this is how long, Lord, how, uh, you know, when I go through it, cause it, it doesn't, it doesn't get easier. Um, every time my wife and I are driving up towards OHSU, it's, it's cumulative in, mm. in the pain, in the, in the, in the battle, in the PTSD. <laughs> um, yeah. it, and so there's definitely a weariness that with, with a question of kind of how, how long, um, and that's my flesh saying, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that I ha have it in me for another round. Right. Uh, but he kind of meets me each round and says, yeah, you don't. So that's why I'm here. Mm. And, and I think that sets up well, you know, there's a, a, a particular word that you've, um, you know, kind of uh, been a banner for you, for lack of better terms, that you have um, defined as a big part of your journey. Share, share that word with our audience. What, what's this word mean to you? Why, why did you select it? And, and what does it do for you? Why is it significant? Yeah, if, if we were on video <clears throat> you'd see the bracelet uh with the word that my daughter made me um the word is contend and i i actually was i first heard the word when i started health coaching about three years ago some training i was on somebody mentioned the word contend and i my soul kind of latched onto it um you know this this could be a whole another topic but but if you've ever heard of the drama triangle where you have the um if you are in the drama triangle in any part of your life you're either playing the victim the villain or the hero and mm. uh and to step outside and most people if they're in the drama triangle they're in one of those one of those camps and to me the word contend takes 
me out of the victim mentality, takes me out of the, or takes all, any of us out of that why me, and allows the opportunity to, to say what, what can still be great? What can I still be grateful for? What can I still do? What impact can I still have? Because obviously, you know, with your Crohn's or, or with things that listeners are experiencing that are, that are listening to this podcast, there's so many things that limit. There's so many things that cause loss. There's so many things that take away. But when there's just no point in living in the loss or living in the what you are incapable of and, and kind of dwelling there when there's still so much that we can contend for. And that, that's why I've really latched onto that word. That's good. Yeah. And I've heard you say in, in another, another place, you talked about it being, um, you felt like other words, you, you'd be a victim. And so contend is like a coming out of you not wanting to be in a victim place. You're not going to allow yourself be a victim of, of cancer. You're going to contend. Is that another way of saying that? Yeah. I think the, the word that people mix it up with that falls more in the victim category is struggle. Well, I'm, I'm struggling with, or I struggle with. Okay. And, and that, and that's, that has a connotation of beaten down, right. you know, trying to rise up, but contend to me is far more hopeful. And it's just a, intentionality to to life that's good and that and that having you know like i said before you know jay's super authentic and you've been sharing you've been sharing your journey in such an authentic way you know that we have this prayer group which i'll mention later that you know you'll get on there not too long after a procedure or right in the moments before a procedure and share a very raw video of you know, you and your wife's uh, emotions and such. And I think that that, uh, for me, encourages me in a sense, because it shows that you are contending, that you're, you're fighting, you're, you're not giving up. Because if, if someone like me who doesn't get the, you know, the pleasure anymore of seeing you face to face, I'm living through a computer screen, seeing on a Facebook page. And if you're not sharing, right, it's like, it's just blank. And it doesn't, it doesn't show me that you're fighting. It doesn't show me that you're contending for all these things. And that's why I appreciate so much that you do share so openly because you're literally modeling for us how to suffer. You're, you're showing Christians, you're showing people how to go through dark times. And sometimes it ain't pretty. Sometimes it is full of tears and questions and doubts or frustrations. But the fact that you're up there and moving um, encourages, I think, a lot of people. So thank you for sharing that journey with us because I'm sure there's maybe been people who are like, why do you do that? Like, why don't you just do it privately? Why do it so publicly? Yeah, <laughs> lots of different emotions come as you say that. One is just my gratitude um, to you because you're uh, you're the reason why that, that page exists. Um, I I've always been so first of all i'm just a tech nerd uh, like you um just love 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 technology uh and so long before i was even a worship leader like anything tech anything phone anything video game any you know i just i, I love it all and so then you know then here comes social media and my i started to develop a love for videography and then i was you know i was the dad that made every every disneyland video uh every 
you know, Sun River trip with my girls, like started just making videos. But then, and I don't even know if you want to go this way, but this is where my brain went when you just said what you said. Um, then when I became a, a, a worship pastor and realized, you know, I, I, I was a typical guy on staff that would, you know, talk to 10, 10 guys that Sunday and we should, we should do coffee. We should do coffee. We should do coffee. Right. And I, and really I'm going to have time maybe if I'm lucky to meet with one of them. Um, and then this next week after that's 10 more, the next weeks after that's 10 more. So all of a sudden I started realizing if I'm, if I use social media to be real and be authentic and live out loud and, and share the good and share the bad, I'm from a church standpoint, I'm letting more people have access to me. I'm building trust to where hopefully on a Sunday I can lead more effectively because they know me better, but I can't meet with a hundred guys over the next month over right. coffee. So that's, um, that's where, so then, then when this hit, right. And, and I had quite a few, relationships um, and access to relationships and people had you know access to me I quickly realized I cannot keep everybody updated my wife cannot keep everybody updated I mean that there was times through this journey where my wife would have I don't know 250 unanswered texts on her phone wow. and she's trying to you know take care of me blah 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 so then someone pointed us towards caring bridge which is kind of like an online journal and we realized if I can start you know, between her and I start being authentic there about the journey, that's going to relieve a lot of stress of trying to keep friends and family updated. Right. And we could share Caring Bridge right on social media, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then when you um, kind of spearheaded the Pray for Jay page, that was just for me one more outlet of, and almost a place, like, even a safer place in some ways, where I knew that it was people that believe in prayer um, believe in the power of prayer and community and I could go on there and, and have even one more level of authenticity. Uh, so I'm, I'm just really grateful for it. Yeah. It's kind of like I shared recently, you know, as those numbers are going up, it's like there, it's the only group that I don't want to exist that I'm part of, you know, it's this weird <laughs> thing of like, I'm with you. I'm grateful that it's there. I'm grateful for the community because it's, it's, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that it's effective and, and yet we don't want to have a group where we're having to pray for somebody in, in such a terrible um, disease like cancer. Um, what kind of moving into our last few kind of questions where I wanted to go um, with this today, you know, one of the things that you and I share as being again, very authentic guys and, um, maybe we're unique among men like that. But one thing that I think we share as well is a, a mutual hatred for Christian platitudes and dogma. And I just, again, whenever I've walked, I, I've lived it again myself, being somebody with a chronic disease, you know, I've had all sorts of things said to me as to why, you know, I'm not even asking them, but they're offering to me why they think God allowed for me to have Crohn's disease, right? Um, oh, gosh. And so, so I just wonder maybe, you know, what you would speak into that. I mean, we could talk about what sort of, what sort of advice would you have for Christians? You know, um, what sort of things have people said to you that really ended up hurting? Because I, I think, again, I've heard other people share this, that, 
you know, people get uncomfortable, right? They love you. They have uh, uh, maybe a friendship or they're a coworker. And so they want to say something. They want to fill the space of like, I found out you have cancer and they're trying in their best way to be um, loving and caring. And so they say things to you. And I think nine times out of 10, it's, it's well-meaning. They're trying to encourage you, but they say something or maybe do something that actually ends up hurting you. So have you experienced a bunch of that over the course of your journey? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and you know, let, let me, let me disclaimer any, any direction I take this with, I'm sure there's absolutely been times in, in my life, particularly pre-cancer where I stuck my foot in my mouth, didn't know what right. to say, wanted, wanted to help and, and bumbled through it. But because of these years and because of multiple, multiple messages or conversations, you know, heading into a church service or, or whatever, um, there has been a cumulative effect of what is helpful and, and what is not. And, and there is this sense with a lot of people of, I have to say the right thing. And I, th I think, I think what I'll start with right there is no, you don't. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, when I go online or I go out in public, I'm not look, looking or judging or hoping that come, that someone comes up and says the right thing to me. Uh, in, in relation to cancer, not, not now. And yeah. so to let some pressure off, right. It, it, of the 10,000 things people could say, something as simple as, Hey, I've been following along and I care. There's, there's really not anything better than that. Mm. And, and I think some of, and, and obviously this changes, right. With, with different circles of, of people in your life. But I would say right down to, dear, dear friends that I've known since junior high, right? I'm thinking of my, my buddy Ace right now, who I just chatted with a little bit on, online right before this podcast. He's, he's the kind of guy that will just be super honest with me and say, Jay, I got no clue how to address yeah. this with you. I have no clue what to say, but I love you and I care about you. You, you compare that, okay? That, which goes straight to my heart and I feel and I know it, with someone that I barely know telling me that God told him I'm going to be healed from this. Mm. Um, and I don't mean, I, I mean, they, they believe that like I'm going to be cancer free. Right. Yeah. Um, like soon. Yeah. And, and you got to know, people got to know that in the back of my mind, again, that goes, that goes, that goes straight back to something you and I already talked about, which is the, why not me? Um, unless, they saw like Gabriel in their room and like peed themselves. I, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> like, um, or I just, I, I really, really don't want to hear that. And, and I've had to many times just say, okay, God, in the moment, uh, it's gotta be your grace. Cause I, I, I kind of want to tell them how fresh I don't, I, uh, I'll be honest. I don't, I think one time I did a caring bridge where I kind of, kind of went there. Um, yeah. Because I know people have really good intentions, but somebody in my, position that has done all kinds of coming to grips with with reality really doesn't want to hear that um, right but i have friends who have said that in a different way and this i appreciate when they say one way or the other you're going to be healed right 
that I agree with, right? <laughs> because I believe in eternity. I believe we're in God's redemption for this world, this universe, my body, all of that. So, so I can get on board when somebody says one way or the other, you're going to be healed. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyways, uh, that's, I'll let you kind of take this where you want. I just wanted to kind of answer that way at first. Yeah. I mean, just kind of the only thing I want to say on it, and I think it's important for our listeners to, you know, understand that God gave us the emotion of anger. And if there's ever a place where I feel like there is appropriate anger, it's um, following Jesus' lead and being angry to religious people who say asinine things. Uh, And I think there's nothing like cancer to bring out some of those statements. And I'm thinking of like, you know, people saying uh, when someone dies in an accident uh, unexpectedly and you go to the funeral and they say something to the effect of, you know, well, God must have needed another one of him up in heaven. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, wow, wow. Like that's the God whom you serve. That's the God who we're worshiping every week is that he just plucks people out of families up into heaven because he needed another one as if God is a needing God. Like I need people. Um, and the other one for me that hits home, you know, cause mine, again, I'm not fatal. I'm not on, you know, the possibility of dying right away, but, but people have constantly said it in different ways to me that, you know, Crohn's is a lesson. God's trying to teach you a lesson, you know, that there's, there's some testing or something that's happening. And I'm just like, wow, once again, God is this great teacher up in heaven and his schoolroom is the earth and we're just all plucked with these diseases so we can learn lessons from God. Like what a great parent God is if he just gives us all diseases so that we learn lessons, right? So that's kind of where, you know, I can already, I feel my blood pressure rising as I talk (laughs) about it because it just, I hate it so bad. And I don't think it represents God well. And I think God ends up getting in all of these conversations where people say these things, God's name and, and his cause is, I think is actually lessened and diminished and dragged through the mud because I don't want to be in relationship with a God like that. I don't know about you, but if this God they're presenting who plucks people out and gives people diseases to teach lessons, I don't think I'd want anything to do with that. So I can't get mad at the atheist uh, who doesn't want anything to do with that God. So I think that that, um, that's something that we as Christians, as a community, we really need to figure out. And I think you're kind of saying, you know, I heard you say there with your relationship with Ace and just, you know, it's the power of presence, you know, it's the idea of, and, and the other thought that came to mind too is the identity factor you know, I don't, I don't share a lot of times my journey with uh, people. I don't generally share the Crohn's thing often because right. I don't want my identity to be wrapped up in that. And I understand, you know, with cancer and, and where you're at, you just are a few days out from a procedure. But do you wrestle with that too of like, you don't want every conversation and every relationship in your life to only come at you from Jay who has cancer, right? Like, don't you want conversations with people like about the blazers or about, you know, the weather. I mean, you're also a normal guy. You also have all the other things going on in your head, not just cancer, right? Yeah. And I think that's more on that's more on me and who I allow myself access to and and then where I steer the conversation. You know, with with again with 
people that get me, know me, understand me, and, and, are, and have a keen social awareness, they'll often say to me, look, I want to spend some time with you. We don't have to mention your cancer one time unless you want to. We can just go have fun, <laughs> go, go grab a coffee, go out to dinner, go to the laser game or whatever. Um, and, and I love that they kind of release me to not go there or go there, depending on, on where, where I'm at. That's very freeing with the people closest to me when, when they approach it that way. But sort of, sort of rabbit trail, maybe not, Kurt. Another thing that I want to mention, and maybe it's not as hard hitting as, as where we just were, but one thing that I've, that has frustrated me is when people will want to talk to me about something they're struggling with, particularly people closer to me, but they'll say, but I, I'm not going to bother you with that. I, I, yours is so much worse. What you're going through is so much worse. I get very frustrated at that because mm. if, you know, take, take cancer out of my life, right? I had things in my life that brought me to my knees and, yeah. and wrecked my soul. And I needed community and needed connection, even if I didn't admit that, right? So hard is hard. Pain is pain. Brokenness is brokenness. And your Crohn's, right? Um, you'll deal with it how, how, however you, you see fit, but we don't, I, I never believe that we should compare Crohn's to cancer. Crohn's is, a, is, and I'm just picking that out because it's something you are dealing with. Right. It's a reality in your life that is a source of pain, hardship, sadness, something you have to contend with, something that you have to work on your perspective with. And, and that is relatable to those around you because they've got something that does the same thing in their life. And, and right. so I just want to challenge people. Don't compare. Don't, yeah. don't compare pain. Um, because again, we're, we're all, we're all experiencing it on some level. Oh, that's good. That's a good reminder. I hadn't really thought of that perspective. Cause I, yeah, on, on our side of the relationship I've shared with you before, but I, whatever I'm texting you or whatever I'm reaching out for, like I, I wrestle internally with, you know, is, should I be just kind of talking to you and like, Hey, how's that new iPhone or, you know, some other topic versus, Hey, how are you feeling today? Right? Like, cause I don't want to come across insensitive by just sending something that has nothing to do with, uh, you know, the biggest thing in your life right now. This It's almost like a big elephant in the room if we don't talk about it. So I think that it's good for us to hear these kind of um, hear from you, hear from someone what's helpful. Cause I, I, and I think people on the other side relationship with you wrestle internally as well as to what to say, how to say it, when to approach you. I'm sure for all the hundreds of texts and things you've got, there's a lot of people who withhold, you know, they think, Oh, he's probably got so many people talking to him. So they don't send you a text or a message on Facebook cause they feel like you're probably overloaded and don't really care about, their particular thing or whatever. So that's, that's important to remember that sometimes healing comes from you helping others, right? Like there's, yes. there's a Christian value of bear each other's burdens. And just because you're bearing a burden right now, doesn't mean you're ill-equipped to help bear one of my burdens, right? Like that reciprocation of, uh, we both need healing. We both need help. So I think that's, that's a good truth. We can all take home. 
Exactly. Well, sir, I'd love to just keep talking, but this is already getting on the long side for a podcast. And so I want to make sure before we leave today that I invite people to follow you uh, on your socials. And as we said, the pray for J, literally just one word, pray the number four and J, you can search it on Facebook. We're closing in on a thousand people, like 984. It's been insane every week how many new people are joining this, but definitely you can follow his his journey on there. It also connects you to his caring bridge, ways you can donate and just help out his family. Um, but what would you share on the social NJ? Is there like, you know, a Twitter handle or an Instagram? Is there anything you want to throw out there that people can just get in touch with you if they were inspired by today? Uh, my, my Instagram is at J, the letter J, the letter P McKinney, M-C-K-E-N-N-E-Y. Um, I, I try to have a good, good mix, good balance in my life. I love photography. So you're going to see a lot of pictures on there, but you're also going to see a lot of family. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I love Instagram. I push everything from Instagram to Facebook just because I'm lazy, but, um, yeah, on the pray for J page, you'll see the link to caring bridge, which is obviously always going to be a part of, of what I update or my wife updates as we continue down this road. All right, man. Well, huge thanks for being on today's first interview show. I, like I said at the start, I am super geeked that this got to be, you got to be my first interview. We got to break this thing in, hopefully many, many more episodes to come, but I'm super glad that the first one, you got to break us in here on the Cultured Christian Podcast. So thanks so much for uh, being here today. Kurt, I'm honored. Uh, huge Huge podcast listener, Ed Milet. Ed Milet's one of my favorites. And the fact that I got to be actually a part of it from this end. Thank you, man. Well, I hope you enjoyed that just as much as I did. It's always fun chatting with a friend, but even more fun when you have an audience that you can share. Uh, just somebody as awesome as Jay. So I hope you uh, got something out of that today. And as he said there at the end, follow him on his socials. And speaking of socials, if you didn't know, we have our very own Facebook page and Reddit community. And so we'd love for you to go over there and hit the like button, uh, rate us, review us, all that kind of fun stuff. And as always, if you have feedback, please send us an email to culturedchristians at gmail.com. Or you can send us a text or leave a voicemail at the phone number in our show notes. Thanks again for listening today, and we'll see you in the next one.